We do have a special guest who's going to be sharing with us this morning. I'll introduce her in a few moments. But um, I just felt like there's some things I needed to say before um, Kathy comes to, to share with us about life choices this morning. You know, you know uh, many of us remember uh, September 11th, 2001. There were 3,500 lives uh, lost that day, and our nation grieved. But on September 12th and 13th and 14th and 15th, 4,000 lives a day were extinguished on those days as well, and on every day after that. Four thousand unborn babies a day on the average have been taken in what is called pro choice. That that adds up to well over a million lives a year lost. Thirty years ago the Supreme Court of the United States of America handed down what is now the infamous decision in Roe versus Wade making abortion on demand a legal reality and putting into motion what is now adding up to more than 40 million human babies lost. And I hope I'm not stealing all your thunder, Kathy, here. By I'm sure you probably have some statistics to share with us as well. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons. We'll start out with this, and I think this is one that maybe even you might find uh, this thought occurring in the church, we'll say. God does not have an opinion on abortion. Well, I'll tell you this. God is absolutely pro-life. He's the creator of the unborn. Um, Many of us are aware of Psalm 139, where the psalmist said this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. And God has plans for the unborn. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I was... before. I made you, this is God speaking, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He's speaking to Jeremiah there. Folks, every person is created by God in the image of God. And God calls this creation very good. And who are we to decide that a human life, however it is conceived, and no matter how small or fragile, 
is not worthy of fulfilling the destiny that he or she was created to fulfill. The truth is that every human life is created by God with a destiny known before they were even born by God, and that the practice of abortion then must break the heart of God. A couple of other reasons why we've come to this point. The changing religious climate in our country, and I think we're probably, we might even say painfully aware of that. As humanism becomes the dominant public orthodoxy today, we're told that there is no role for God to play in creation. Chance, random processes are entirely responsible for our creation. Frank Peretti said, we're cosmic accidents. That's the point of view. Therefore, the first conclusion is that humans are like all other animals, perhaps a bit smarter, but there is absolutely no intrinsic special value in human beings. And then the changing change in sexual mores. We have a climate where sexual rules of conduct have changed. Human, humanism means there is no law giving God at the center, so no ultimate standard or anchor for ethics, and that means we make up our own rules. Now, we know people have always had sexual liaisons throughout, uh, outside marriage throughout history. But in almost every culture we've known this somehow doesn't meet the ideal for sexual expression. Somewhere in the core, we know that. You would not believe how many pre, premarital counseling sessions I've gone through with couples and I ask them some pretty straight questions. And one of those is, are you sexually involved? And often the answer is, yes, I am. We know it's not right. Um, I have some conditions I lay down at that point. But nevertheless, it's culturally acceptable. But... You know, we've had, remember the sexual revolution and all that, and here's what we say, hey, if, if we get to make up the rules, why beat ourselves up about sex? We're just like other animals. We're sexual beings and we're gonna have sex. So let's stop feeling guilty about it. Let's take the rules off of it and just do it. And do it we have. Helped immensely by the invention of cheap and easy contraception, but interestingly, pregnancies don't stop happening. Less rules meant more sex, and more sex meant more pregnancies, and especially more pregnancies that did not take place within the context of marriage. The result, according to former Surgeon General Siebert Koop, he said this, Current sexual mores and the breakdown of the family demand abortion. At the same time, the availability of abortion contributes to a change in our sexual mores, and general and a general family breakdown, truly a vicious cycle. By the way, he's not approving of it here. He's just telling us this is how our thinking works. So follow this progression. No real God means the human animal has no special value and there no, are no ultimate laws. And no laws means sex rules are arbitrary and meant to be broken. 
Sex rules broken means more babies, but not just more babies, more babies outside of the kind of unions that are best suited to care for them. Therefore, abortion on demand. By the way, did you know God uses personal pronouns for the unborn? In the scripture, Jacob and Esau had personality development in the womb. God talks about that. Do you remember what John the Baptist, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, did when Mary walked in? Jump for joy. That's not a blob. The California Journal of Medicine a number of years ago said this. It has become necessary, in other words, in order to justify it in our minds, it has been necessary to separate the idea of abortion from the idea of killing, which continues to be killing, continues to be socially abhorrent. The result has been a curious avoidance of the scientific fact, which everybody really knows, that human beings at concept that human life begins at conception and is continuous, whether inter- or extra-uterine, until death. The very considerable semantic gymnastics required to rationalize abortion as anything but the taking of human life would be ludicrous if they were not put forth under socially impeccable auspices. That's the, that's the California Journal of Medicine. Now, it was written a number of years ago. They probably wouldn't dare print that now. From the, daily Constitution, from the Constitution Daily, August 2016. Reading a Supreme... This is... I'm quoting now. Reading a Supreme Court ruling of last January in a widely expansive way, a divided Delaware Supreme Court on Tuesday struck down the state's death penalty law. It ruled that the Supreme Court's most recent recent ruling on death sentencing requires that the ultimate choice of life or death can only be made by a jury, not a judge. Twelve people in agreement. In fact, they go on to say it takes agreement of twelve people on a jury to impose the death penalty. It takes only one person to decide that an unborn child would be put to death. Something's upside down here. You might say that it is unfair to juxtapose these two scenarios. Perhaps so. But the contrast is is a grievous one nonetheless. Nineteen states have outlawed the death penalty. However, by federal mandate, as a result of Roe versus Wade, abortion is still legal in all 50 states. Now, it varies depending on state law, but it's still legal in all 50 states. It boils down to this. 19 states have outlawed the death penalty, even for those convicted of capital crimes. All 50 states allow the death penalty for the innocent unborn. I need to say this, though. It goes back, Dean, to what we heard at District Assembly a couple of years ago when our, when our general superintendent said, we have a tendency to get angry at the harvest. 
we need to have compassion, grace, and understanding for those who have had or considering an abortion. I think that's what this ministry is about. So I want to introduce to you Kathy Roberts this morning. She's the Director of Life Choices here in Longmont. And she's here to share with us about the Ministry of Life Choices and what it's doing to try and save the lives of the unborn. Thank you, Kathy, for being with us. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be here among the body of believers and family, really, truly. Um, I get to see new uh, family members each time I go to a church. And I love that, that we are all uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I thank you for the... Uh, what you spoke of today, because it is true. Um, We are here at Life Choices to uh, bring the good news, and that's what Christ did. When we have young women who come through our doors, they're not um, typically, there's some that are happy, but not all. And so uh, we do try to change their thinking by giving them the information they need and educating them. And I have a video that I'd like to start with. Hello? 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 I want to grow up. I'll be a designer because I really like my outfit. My name is Sahara, and I'm four years old. I want to be a NASA scientist because I want to be the person putting people on the moon instead of being on the moon myself. My name is Gabriel Pardo, and I'm 11 years old. I want to be a video game designer because I'm really interested in tech and engineering and video games. My name is Layla Hills, and I'm 12 years old. Hotchair! And I'm Summer Steinert. My name is Nikita Hills, and I'm eight going on nine. I want to be a ballerina when I grow up because I really like dancing, and I think I'll be good at it. I'm Abby Kenningsbecker, and I'm a TA leader at Life Choices. Currently, I am a special needs paraeducator at an elementary school in Longmont. At the same time, I'm also going to Front Range for uh, my certificate. I'm doing both of these things as a stepping stone to get to a place where I can work with the state or the county and work to get children who have special needs and are in foster care adopted. And my husband and I both have a passion for this because my parents chose life for me and we want to continue choosing life for children who are often um, considered the least of these. Those are life choices. Uh, babies from our clients and that is the good news unfortunately not all of them choose life but many of them in fact more than not and uh, there's a family in there that uh, one of the mothers came in she really just needed help uh, low income and brought her little baby in we do help our ladies who need clothing and other items diapers if they choose life we try to help them as much as possible in every way we can uh, they, she came in. We invited her to church. She wasn't really excited about that, but she kept coming back. 
we love on them and we're just very kind and compassionate and show the love of Christ to them. It took three years, but three years later she was saved. Um, actually, it was two years later she was saved. Her boyfriend that she was living with then became saved and they got married. And so those are the kind of stories that we love to talk about. The little horse trader. Um, she, her mother was a client that came in and uh, just weeping she was going to have an abortion. She said, I am a feminist and I believe that I should have the choice and I don't want to do this, but I'm going to because I'm not going to allow it to interfere with my plans. And uh, we talked to her and she was a Christian and we challenged her. And by the way, there are as many abortions inside the church as outside the church. And so... We challenged her. She weeped and cried. Uh, we prayed for her and prayed for her. Uh, sometimes they stick in your heart because the Lord won't let go on purpose until his plans for you to release that prayer for them leaves. And so I prayed for her and prayed for her. And then the Lord released me from praying for her. I never heard for, from her again until about, oh, I think two months after the child was born, she showed up in my office and so um, five years later, she then showed up again and said, I'd love to volunteer for Life Choices. And so her life, uh, she can't imagine without that child. The older young lady, uh, her mother, was a story where uh, she, too, came in uh, just afraid. And uh, we, we helped her, and now her daughter is living her life. And there's many more stories. I had to cut it short because of the... Uh, the length of that. But we are here to share the good news. We get to share the love of Christ with our clients. And we're, we're a medical facility, yet even then we're able to, nurses included, we can have spiritual discussions. It doesn't look like a regular medical facility. So uh, if you want to go ahead and start the... Uh, this, yeah, okay. I don't think I can read from there, so I'm going to do it from here. This is our, our uh, history. We were founded in 1984. Uh, we've been around for 34 years. And by the way, all of our services, which I'm going to discuss with you, are at no cost. And so our mission is to share unconditional love with the people by providing help with pregnancy issues, promoting healing from outcomes of pregnancy, and encouraging the community to embrace healthy lifestyles. Uh, we have five locations, Longmont, Loveland, Brighton, Westminster, and Estes Park. And we have a medical mobile unit that rolls around the community. Uh, we've met in front of Planned Parenthood with big free pregnancy tests and free ultrasounds. And we've had babies saved from that. They don't like it too much, but we love it. So uh, we take that out in the community, too. The next. Oh, I can get here. Okay. Uh, our commitment is to... Uh, sanctity of human life, even in the hard cases. And so I thank you for bringing that up today. A commitment to serve the men, women, and their children in our community. A commitment to the Bible truth versus any of what the world says and cultural values. A commitment to maintain confidentiality. And a commitment to serve with a clear conscience. Our ministry overview, which I'll be talking about today, is our advocacy, medical, after-abortion, healing, and education. Our advocacy is what I want to talk about a lot, but first I want to tell you that we are a volunteer-based ministry. We could not do 
this ministry without our volunteers. We love our volunteers. Uh, we had over 165 volunteers last year, and they provided really well over the 9,775 hours that we counted here. And we offer support, and that support uh, varies in different ways. But the, mo- the thing that we do the- really well is uh, typically what we do see is uh, clients from the ages of 17 to 27, although uh, last week we had a 14-year-old walk into our office and she was pregnant. And so, uh, and we've had 43-year-olds walk into our office, both of, both of which were very high anxiety. So, um, when when they come in and they are, it's not on their bucket list to be pregnant. There is a lot of high anxiety, and because of culture today, and it is legal to have an abortion. And by the way, in the state of Colorado, up to nine months. I know. There's a place by the, you need to be praying for uh, Dr. Hearn in Boulder. He, he, is, he does perform abortions up to nine months. Um, but our, these young women that come in and they don't want to be pregnant, uh, the first thing on their mind usually is abortion. It's not that they want to abort. It's not natural for women to want to take the life of their child, but it's the only thing that they know to do because it's so prevalent out there, and it's, it's like it's not supposed to be a big deal, right? And so that fear, because God said he didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a sound mind, and he gave us power and love. And so we try to, uh, we pray over our center that the spirit of fear would not be allowed in our place. And that the Lord would give them a sound mind. And so we power and uh, we, we educate them and empower these young women through the education uh, to have better choices. We talk about parenting. We talk about adoption, allowing somebody else to parent through that adoption process. And we do talk about abortion. We do not um, try to coerce or manipulate these young women. Uh, Christ didn't drag us to the cross. He didn't coerce us. He didn't manipulate us. But we believe that if we just speak the truth in love, as Christ tells us to do, and we just share that love and that compassion that we have towards them, and we're really good listeners to see what is it that they really need and why they feel the need to abort, that um, we're able to meet those needs through talking about referrals and uh, that there is hope out there, that there's more things out there to help them than they, they are aware of. We talk to them about their support system. What kind of a support system do they have? And, and the rest, truly, we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work, and that takes the, the burden off of us. Not to say that at times we are not burdened by some of our clients, but um, options is, is very crucial with our advocates Let's see. Oh, good. I did put the stats up there. Oops, sorry. Our stats, we, had, we saw 848 clients uh, last year. We gave 521 pregnancy tests and 606 ultrasounds. And by the way, those ultrasounds are amazing. Typically, between 75 to 80% of women will choose life after they've seen their child. When they've already... Uh, come in and we've spoken to them about their options, a lot of times that will bring that level of stress down. And then when we make the appointment for the ultrasound, usually we're going to see life happen. And so it's, a, it's just a wonderful thing to meld that um, ultrasound into the advocacy piece. 
I know this, these numbers look a little off, but we'll have clients come back. So we, have, we do have spiritual discussions. Uh, last year we reported at 1,165 uh, spiritual discussions. And uh, we, we do ask them, where does your strength come from? If they're a Christian, we really, truly challenge them. We don't let them off the hook as easy as we would somebody who, if they're not a believer, they don't care what you have to say in that area. And so um, our medical services, again, are at no cost. We do the pregnancy test. The ultrasounds are the, the most amazing part of our ministry, I think. We also do STI testing. That's for sexually transmitted infections, if they think they have one. It gives us the opportunity to talk about their lifestyle. And the nurses, they'll listen to nurses. So... Uh, They'll, with the nurses have those conversations with them. Again, referrals are just a huge part of our ministry so that they can find out or they can know that there are uh, other areas where they can go and receive help. Healing Choices is such a huge part of our ministry. Uh, we have a registered psychotherapist on staff. She has her master's degree in biblical counseling. Her name is Lisa Coates. She is the person who works with our Forgiven and Set Free program. Our Forgiven and Set Free program is 11 weeks long, and it really truly takes women through the process of who God really is, who Father God is, and who uh, they are in Christ. It talks about the, uh, you know, forgiveness. It talks about denial and anger and all of these things that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder comes from, and, and truly a lot of women of abortion uh, go through that. You know, Christ loves us. And I think the, the hardest thing I see for women of abortion is that uh, they, have, they really have a hard time forgiving themselves. But, you know, he died for all of us. And he doesn't say big sin, little sin. He just says sin is sin. And um, they go through the, the repentance mostly for not forgiving themselves. They've already repented of their abortion. And so um, he loves the brokenhearted, and he, he wants everyone healed. He wants us to live out our purposes and our plans. And if we're in a, in a hidden state, in a, in a broken state, then we really can't operate fully in the way that God has called us to do. So I love that program. I did teach that program for about three years. And um, we also have a, a gentleman who, who helps out. Uh, for the men, it's called Broken Arrows. And uh, they'll do individuals. Lisa typically works with teens alone because it's a, it's a little harder for them. Uh, typically, we do not see a woman of abortion for at least seven years and sometimes 20 years. And sometimes even uh, women can go to their grave with that and men. Um, so I don't know that there's anyone here that has had an abortion. But if you have, uh, please do not live in a state of uh, brokenness, in a state of shame or guilt, uh, you can call our office and you can speak to me or Lisa Coates and we can, we can help you to work through that pain and that grief that you might just have had a hard time letting go of. And we see the transformation of these women. It's the most amazing thing. The countenance on their face changes. And, and I love doing that program. Uh, and for, when they hired me, Rick said, There's, you've got enough going on. I think you have to step down from that part of the ministry. So uh, education is our last piece. In our education, we teach in the schools. We are actually invited into the schools. We teach sexual risk avoidance. 
uh, it's quite the opposite of what the world says. And uh, we just try to do, again, to be truth tellers with these kids. We give them lots of statistics. They're always shocked to know that less than half of the students uh, be, before the age of 18 are not having sex. And they have these little smartphones, and they're like, no way. You know, they start Googling. And, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the plan of the enemy, isn't it, to just tell all of these lies. And so the kids feel like they're out of place if they're not doing the things that everybody else is doing. Yet we say, hey, not everybody is. And so the education department is a, is a, is a wonderful uh, part of our ministry. We do presentations in public, private, and charter schools. And we are aligned with the Colorado Department of Education for Health program. We, have, we were in six districts, and about 4,500 students uh, were seen last year. And I think there was over 50 different teachers. We have a teen advocate program. That's a great program. There's mentors, high school mentors, that are trained. And they go into the schools, and they... Um, speak to the middle schoolers and so the middle schoolers are always looking up to the to the high schoolers and they love that and they go up to them afterwards and talk to them they invite them to come meet with them if they need to and uh, it's just a it's a it's a wonderful program and the some of the things they discuss I actually had to write it down because I'm not in that department is they they cover setting boundaries healthy relationships healthy relationships is pretty amazing in that area, uh, they'll do surveys afterwards, and they find out that they are not in a healthy relationship and, in fact, are in abusive relationships, and they didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like. And so uh, it's, it's quite eye-opening to these young students. We also teach them how to practice ref- you know, refusal skills and how to avoid STIs. You know... Uh, one of the things that uh, one of the other groups that comes in through Planned Parenthood, uh, they talk about uh, you could just do what you want. Don't listen to whoever, speaking of parents, telling you what you need to do. You can do whatever you want, and we're going to help you so that you don't get pregnant. And so we're going to give you birth control pills, and we're gonna, we have condoms. And what they don't say is that we still see every kind of a, and you mentioned this too, pregnancy for these young girls who said, I did my due diligence and I I did what I thought I was supposed to do, and they come in pregnant. So um, I wish we could say in the school system when when we're in there just to say, so if you hear this, it's liar, liar, pants on fire, because uh, that's what they do. They they lie. And so uh, we do see those young women, and, and then we get to talk to them about that. Unfortunately, we also have to talk about other 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 things, too. Um, and I think, I think that's just about it for the, the program. The one, oh, there's, there's pictures of our teen advocates. Yeah. This was, uh, actually, they didn't get me a picture for this year. This was from 2016 instead of 2017. The, the only other thing I want to say is uh, for life choices, we, we do have, sometimes we, we're, it's battle-weary, you know. We do have things that happen that are just, supernaturally and natural. And um, if you would just pray for us, there's warfare out there uh, that we see, and we have great, wonderful news, great, wonderful stories to tell. And then there's times when 
uh, it's just hard. And so just to cover us in prayer is just an amazing thing. And we would, I would love that personally for myself. And I also want to just thank this church. I know that, um, you know, my husband just recently passed away. And I know some of you know that. And this church prayed for me. Uh, and it's been, it's been an amazing thing. And so while I'm going through that and working at Life Choices, um, the prayers, the continued prayers would be just, it'd be a blessing. So I thank you for having me here today. In our previous discussions, uh, Kathy, you said you'd be available afterwards if people have questions about the things you've shared or even that you didn't share. Uh, a number of months ago, I was um, I get you know I get these publications to the Church of the Nazarene online. One's called Grace and Peace Magazine, and I was listening. Um, they had a video. Thing. It was a you know um, leadership conference, Nazarene Church leadership conference, and the particular individual making this presentation was I think his name name is Dr. Gordon Smith. He's the president of Ambrose University, which is the Nazarene College in Canada. He was talking about preparing young pastors for ministry in our current context. And toward the end of his speech, he said something, and I don't have the quote. I tried to find the video clip again so I could quote him exactly, but I wasn't able to find it. So I'll try to give you the gist. Talking about things that are um, critical issues in our world today. He said, uh, he, ref- he, he referenced Albert Moeller, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He says, Albert Moeller says the critical issue facing us today is the sexual identity issue. You know, um, same-sex marriage and the variety of sexual identity choices that we say we have in our culture today. He said, I believe the critical issue is facing us is the issue of social justice. I remember sitting there watching that and thinking, those are both critical issues, but I disagree with both of you. I think at the top of the list is the issue we've been talking about today. If you can't respect the most innocent and unprotected of life, that leads to a whole bunch of other problems. Which, um, which brings me to this point. I certainly believe in what Life Choices is doing. I love the fact that they don't just bring education and services, but the scripture and Jesus Christ and what he can do for you is a vital part of their ministry to the young women and sometimes the men who come in. It's something I believe that we can support and should support. And um, I remember seeing in your presentation today where it says it's no cost to the clients, but they still offer those services. That money comes from somewhere. I would guess that you're supported basically by donations that come 
your way. So we'd be an important piece in that puzzle of making sure that this ministry continues to operate and offer what they offer to people who are facing these difficult choices in their lives. So I would ask our ushers, if they would, to come forward at this time, and we'll be receiving an offering. If we make, a, why don't, if you make a check out, make it to the church, and then put on the uh, memo line. Thank you. My mind goes blank a lot these days. It's getting older. Uh, life choices, and then we'll make one check and uh, send it with Kathy or or if you put cash in, then we know that will go directly to the Life Choices Ministry. All right, let's pray. Lord God, you are the giver of life. You love life. You created each one of us that are in this room today. You know, I think about our nation, and if we were like a stadium, how many seats would be empty? Because there were some who never had the opportunity to experience life outside the womb. I, I, you know, I'm thankful for Kathy and her associates, her coworkers, those volunteers on whom you have laid a call to minister in this way to women and sometimes their spouses or partners considering a very difficult choice. And not only to help them with that, but to bring Jesus Christ into the equation and say there is hope. And there's forgiveness, and there is healing, and there is something better than what you may be considering right now. Father, I believe that this really is an issue that is very close to your heart. And I pray that it will be close to ours, and that because it is, we're willing to invest in it as we give today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.